the chimes of time bring out the news another day is through someone slipped and fell was that someone you you may have longed for added strength new courage to renew oh do not be disheartened for i bring hope for you it is no secret what god can do what he's done for others he'll do for you I just need to say this. I can't get this out of my mind. The Lord is... Connie, what a blessing to be in your Sunday school. Thank you so much. And uh, I was just thinking, again, it just hits me. See, I was a dead man walking. Praise God. But the song, congregational song, he brought me out of the miry clay. Well, praise God. I got something to rejoice about. He delivers. He's the one that keeps me on the solid rock. Well, glory to God. It's something to get excited about. Well, glory. Praise. It is no secret. Praise God. There is no night. For in His light, you'll never walk alone. Always feel at home. Wherever you may roam, there is no power can conquer you while God is on your side. Oh, just take Him at His promise. Don't run away and hide. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. Praise God. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. Isn't that good news? Praise God. It is no secret what God can do. There is no night. For in His light, you'll never walk alone. Always feel at home, wherever you may roam. There is no power can conquer you while God is on your side. Oh, just take Him at His promise. Don't run away and hide. It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for us. Praise God. He'll do for you. Praise God. With arms wide open, He'll pardon. 
Salvation 
like Jehovah. There's no God 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 like Jehovah. Behold, He comes riding on a cloud, shining like the sun. At the trumpet toll, lift your voice in the year of Jubilee. the earth rejoice he wraps himself in light oh and darkness tries to hide trembles at his voice trembles at his voice and how great is our God sing with me how great is our and all will see how great, how great is our God. Let's go that first verse again. The splendor of a king, always oh, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. In light, oh, and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. Then, how great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? And all will see how great, how great. Is our God? Oh, sing with me. How 
beginning and the end, beginning and the end, the Godhead, three in one, oh, the Father, Spirit, Son, He's the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb, and how great is our God, sing with me, how Good times and bad, you are on your throne. 
Dark of night will not overtake me. 
You're my strength, you're my defender. You're my refuge in the storm. And through these trials, you've always been faithful. song in itself 
I've been praying for deliverance and restoration from my Lord. His word says he's the God who can do exceedingly abundantly more. So I should trust him in the waiting. Keep believing and pressing on. He's my salvation and his joy is my strength. And hallelujah, he's my victory song. So I'm not giving up. Giving up. No, I'm not turning round. Turning round. And by the grace of God, I'll win a shining crown. Someday I'll keep holding on. Holding on to that nail scarred head. No, I'm not giving up. No, I'll keep going on. I'm not sorry. I've been praying for deliverance and restoration from my Lord. His word, his word says he's the God who can do exceedingly abundantly more. So I should trust him in the waiting, keep believing and pressing on. He's my salvation and his joy is my strength, and hallelujah, he's my victory song. And I'm not giving up, no, I'm not turning around, and by the grace of God, I'll win a shining crown someday i'll keep holding on to that nail scarred head no i'm not giving up no i'll keep going on no i'm not giving up no i'll keep going on got your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of Ruth. I'm going to get into this because I don't want to spend too long at it, but I began to read this little book and I've read it a hundred times and I thought to myself many times of how beautiful the story is, but if there's an Old Testament book, listen to me, if there's an Old Testament book in the Bible that portrays redemption and salvation, this little book does. It stands to me out as the God that we serve is giving not only the words to Israel, but he's given those words to you and I. When you read in the Old Testament and you read about this story, it's a type of Christ coming and paying our price. And it is a beautiful story. And I want to start this morning, I want to start with the first two chapters. I'm just going to briefly go through them. But that's what I want to talk to you about. I want you to look at Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1. 
going to read one through five. It says, Now it came to pass in the day when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons was Malon and Chilion. Ephrathites of uh, Bethlehem, Judah. They came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one wife was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion, the boys, died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Now, I know you've read this story. I know you've heard this story. But I want to go back to that first verse, and I want you to see something. Circumstances that drove a family out of the land of Israel. If you're here today... I want you to hear this. I want you to hear it if you're a young person here today. We watch, we watch them grow up in the house of God. They've learned the Bible. They've learned enough Bible to know what salvation is. They've learned enough to know that Jesus is the way. They have come to a place in their life, though, when they get about 17 or 18 years old. If mom and dad is not crammed into them, get your education or, uh, you know, get you a good job, whatever it takes to get there. That's what the world teaches. They teach that. Our world teaches that. And you know what? Even the Bible teaches us that we should make our way, not only make our way, but provide for our families. If you're going to have a family, you need to get a job and you need to provide for your family. But I want to talk to you about the circumstances that takes you out of church. When young people get to a certain age, and a lot of young people here today, and I'm glad you're here. I'm not hollering at you, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. When you get to this age of 17, 18 years old, and you're thinking about what your future is, I want you to hear something. You need to, no matter what you do, wherever you go, whoever's influencing you, take Jesus with you. If he ain't with you, you're messing up. I don't care how big your plans are, how big your dreams are, how much money you're going to make. I don't care all the things that you think you're going to accomplish. You're going to fall short without him. Now, I want you to hear this because here's a young family or a family, a, a husband and wife with two boys. Now, obviously, a famine came into the land, and most of the time, when the famines came into the land, that's God punishing the children of Israel. God brought a famine to the land of Israel. It was hard times. But if hard times is going to drive you to the world, guess what they don't do? You don't get God's blessing in the world. You get God's blessing in his house or in him. I want you to hear this because, see, I watch so many wander out of church and you're waiting for them to come back. 
and they have to go out and see what all the world is. Got a thousand circumstances and excuses that takes you out of the church, but there's only one that's going to bring you back. His name's Jesus. And I'm not picking at nobody. I'm telling you that's what the world's about. And even Naomi was a good woman. And I don't really, it doesn't say a whole lot about Elimelech, but he was in the bloodline in Elimelech and his two sons. And I look at it like they had two sons that they probably saw that the, uh, Israel was in famine time. We need to take our boys so we can make sure they got a good tomorrow. We got to take care of them. So bear, parents, be careful that you don't take them away from godliness and send them out in the world and say, get your education, get your money, get all that stuff. You can always serve God later. Be careful because that's what we're telling our children. That's what we're doing. We're lifting up something that's better than serving God. But can I tell you, if you're going to live by faith, like the brother talked about, if you're going to live by faith, you need to understand you've got to hold on to him. I've got to trust what God says. I've got to put my place and my faith where it belongs in Jesus. And I don't matter what the circumstances on the outside is. It doesn't matter how much money you can make. It doesn't matter about the education of all the things you want to do. And I'm not picking on you because I can tell you right now, I've played ball. I've stood on some of the top of the beautifulest mountains. I've stood and looked at the Tetons. I think it's one of the prettiest sights in America, the beautiful Teton Mountains. They're just enormous. When you stand there, you feel like a little, a little child just looking up, you know, but can I tell you something? There ain't nothing bigger in this world than him. Nothing's more important than him and your relationship to him. And when this family, the circumstances of this famine, drove them out away from the land of Israel, let me tell you something, that's not going to work. They went to a land of the Moabs. You know who the Moabs were? They were a heathen nation, and they were a, <clears throat> a nation that came from Lot. Lot had two daughters. When Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, and they took those two daughters out, those two daughters got their father drunk and had children by him. And one of them was Moab, and the other one was Amnon. Okay, and I'm just telling you the history of it. But that's where they came from, and Israel separated theirself from Lot's children, from the Lot's heritage. They weren't a part of Israel. And they fought Israel, and they stayed against Israel. And when you go to Moab, when you looked at the times that they lived in, Moab was a wicked place. They served false gods. And they sacrificed, even the king sacrificed his own son to win a battle. He took his own son and tried to lay him down and, and kill. He laid him down and killed him so he could win a battle, thinking that would please the God and give them their way. How many knows they had no idea who God was? Why would you pick up and go to Moab? Think about it. Why do we pick up? And go to the world. Because can I tell you something? Moab's like the world. You look at the world today, and it's a Moab to us. We, they don't talk God. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want nothing to do with your God. 
and they don't trust him. They don't pray for him to move on anything. We've lost our way as a world, as a country. And it takes God's people holding faithful to him, believing in him and trusting him. And that's the part I want you to see. You know what you could talk about? I don't, I'm not trying to criticize nothing here other than to say one circumstance or another has drove every one of the kids that leave here. Not everybody has to leave. Not everybody packed up and left when the famine came. There were some good people left back in Israel that stuck it out until they made it through it. But can I tell you, this mother and father, for whatever purpose, doesn't tell why, but I can tell you, Naomi felt like God had turned on her. Naomi, if you read on down through here, knows that God has turned against her. She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. She has no heritage. She's lost her land. She can't get her land back when she goes back to Israel. You know, Israel don't do like America. You don't go over and just buy somebody's land. That land has a name on it. That name must have been in Elimelech's heritage. And when they left it, after so many years, I think it's 50 years, it goes back to the people that's original. That way, nobody, no rich person over there could turn around and take all of the land away from somebody else. It went back to the family, kept them in the bloodline, kept them in the family of Israel. We don't live that way. We take and take and take and take until we can't take and we don't care if somebody lives or dies over it. And I'm not trying to pick on just this country. It's all over this country. Because man left without God is doing what he's doing. Moab was as the world, not the place to keep your faith in God. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, I read this a couple weeks ago, but I want to read it again. Think about it, about what I just said. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We've all turned away from God. There ain't none of us perfect. None of us is doing the right thing. We all think we'll do it ourselves. Lord, I don't need your help. I know how I'm going to get my money. I know how I can do this and do that. And before you know it, we are living in the world and for the world and what it gives us. And we're shocked that God ain't happy about it. Oh, I'll give my money to the church. That'll make them happy. That'll make God happy. God's not interested in your money. God's interested in you. And he don't want you to put your trust in this world because he knows it's a dead end. I want you to turn, if you got your Bible, to Psalm 39. Listen to King David. Psalm 39, verse 6. Listen to this word. Surely every man walks in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heaps up riches and knows not who shall gather them. What's he talking about? Every man walks a vain show. How many knows what I'm talking about? People walk around 
And they portray their self wealthy. They portray their self to have it all. And they don't need nothing. But the truth is they're blind. And they're naked. And they're without. Because they have not God. See man gets in his sin. And before you know it he's pushed God completely out of the picture. And he walks a vain walk. And when it says there, surely they are disquieted, that means disturbed in vain. What's that mean? That, that means we hurry and worry for the things that don't even matter. How many knows what I just said? We're worrying and hurrying all the time to fulfill the things of this world and they don't even matter. We're going to leave them all behind anyway. He goes on to say, verse 7, And now, Lord, what wait I for? Listen to King David. What am I waiting for? My hope is in you, Lord. What am I waiting on? What are you waiting on here? You ain't alone. Your hope is in him. What are you waiting on? You waiting on the, the government to give you another check? You waiting on somebody to hand you something? Listen to me. Your faith is to be in him. Trust him for everything, including your children, including everything that you have that God has laid in your lap. You have to put your faith in him. America and our young have gone out because we seem to forget that God's the one that keeps them. God's the one that delivers them. God's the one that will redeem them and bring them home. It says, deliver me from all my transgressions, David said. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. That means deliver me, that I am not the disgrace of a fool. Sometimes I listen to some of these rock stars, and I can turn on there and they'll talk about people like that, and I think to myself, and some of them will say they grew up in a Christian home. Some of them will say they grew up, their fathers are, and, and them were pastors or ministers. And, and I think to myself, where did you go? Where have you left off God? Your blessing's not in God. Your faith's not in God. Where are you at? David goes on to say, I was dumb. I opened not my mouth because, why? Because God did it. Listen to me. David's saying to God, you corrected me, Lord. You've rebuked me, God. You set me in my right place. You're not blessing what I'm doing because you know and I know that I'm wrong. And I must repent. And that's what you're waiting on. You're waiting on me to turn to you and say, God, I'm sorry. Lord, I've done wrong. I have not trusted you. I live for the world. He said, remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. When thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, thou make his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity. Selah. That means think about it. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not thy peace from my tears. 
For I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner as all my fathers were. Oh, spare me that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. That ought to be the cry of every American today. Because we have lived in a blessed land. And we've got away from God. But we ought to be crying, spare us, O Lord, that we may recover our strength before we go hence. What does that mean? Before our day is done and there won't be no time to repent. That's what he's saying. Our time will be no more. Romans 12.2 says one word. Say one, one little thing here. I want you to hear it. He says, be not conformed to this world. Listen to me. Naomi didn't know what to do. She's in a hopeless situation. She's got little boys that need, they need to be fed. I know. We had two little boys, and they ate all the time. We took them to the, what do they call it, the Golden Corral or whatever it was. And we fed them everything they could eat. Pay one price, and they could eat all they wanted. And I think they lost money. But they were young. They could eat like that. Maybe those little boys was wanting more food. Maybe mommy and daddy said, we got to do something. We got to get out of here. We got to go change stuff. You know what? Don't ever leave God out. Don't ever change and leave God out. Because wherever you leave God out, you got to come back there. Hear what I'm telling you. That's what this is about. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay. Romans, let's go back to Ruth. I want you to go back to Ruth. If you got your hand there still? And I want you to uh, read it, verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters. This is talking about Naomi. She arose with her daughter-in-laws. Her husband and her sons are dead. She rose up with her daughter-in-laws that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited the, his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her daughters-in-law with her and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to, her, to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and, de and with me. And the Lord grant you that you might find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely, we will return with thee unto thy people. Now, one thing's for sure. Naomi was a godly enough woman that these two daughter-in-laws saw God in her. They saw a good woman. They saw in Naomi that she was broken down. She had lost everything. Everything that meant to her heart. Her heartstrings were gone. Her son, her sons were gone. Her husband is gone. She has nothing. She left Bethlehem, Judah. 
She left there full. She was blessed. But when she comes back, she'll be empty. Hear what I'm telling you. You can leave. You can run out. You can think the world's going to satisfy me. I got to try. I got to do all the things that the world's doing. I've seen the pictures on the TV screen. I've seen the fun that others are having. I've got to get out and have those things. And the day will come when you'll come back empty because you'll find out the world don't have what you're looking for. He's here, not, not just full gospel. He's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus you need. You need him always. If you've got anywhere you go, he's under your umbrella. I run under his wings, and that's where I stay. No matter where my physical body's at, I have to be under his wings. That's where my trust is. Look down at verse 14. Ruth tries to explain to him, she tried to explain to him the next few verses there that she couldn't have no more children. Why would you go with me? I can't give you no more sons to be your husband. But look at verse 14. And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clave unto her. Listen to this. And she said, Behold, Thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people. Orpah went back. And unto her gods, return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, this is one of the greatest statements in the Bible. Ruth said it, but I want you to hear it because when you decide to get saved, say these words to your heart. Say them to your mind. Get it in your inside of you because it's got to be something real. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also if aught but death parts thee and me. Ruth left all behind. Listen to me. She left her mother, her father, all of those people she grew up with because she was staying with Naomi. Something inside of her said, that I have to follow you, Naomi. I, you are the one that I see hope in. And Naomi was disappointed in herself and discouraged and beaten down. Yet Ruth said, don't entreat me to leave you. I'll die with you. My, your God is my God from this day forward. If you come to Christ, guess what? You come and say, Lord, I come to you. And I leave all that world behind. I leave everything I thought was important behind. And I put you first. And I live for you. I surrender all to follow you. I mean, here's what I'm saying. That ain't talking about joining a church. That ain't talking about putting your name down and claiming you're going to heaven. I'm talking about leaving yourself behind and following Jesus. She left it all. She gave it up to follow Naomi. Not knowing 
Only by faith. She doesn't know. I think that's a beautiful salvation message. I think there's a message in there. Because Jesus did the same for you and I if you're saved. He came and presented you a hope when you were defeated and had no hope. Where you were in the world and couldn't even see what way I should go. Then Jesus came by and his word struck your heart. And his love struck into you. And he convicted you and convinced you you were lost. And the Holy Spirit began to work on you. And then you had to come and say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know how you love me. I know what I did. But I know what you have done. And what you're saying to me, I can be your child. I can follow you. That's what it means to be saved. And when Naomi saw that she was steadfast minded, Ruth was, to go with her, then she left speaking to her. Luke 9.62, Jesus said something. You guys remember this? When he would go and say, follow me. And all of them had excuses. Jesus said in Luke 9.62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Is that too hard a statement? God's not playing with play church people. God's trying to reach people's heart and prepare them for eternity. But you must come his way, not your way. You can't turn around and turn away from God and say, I don't need God. I can do it myself. I'm as good as the next person. You're not going to make it. I'm not your judge. But this Bible will judge you. <clears throat> not fit for the kingdom. In Matthew 10, 39, he that finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Are you looking for life? Young people, when you leave here, listen to me. I don't care what your tomorrow's got. I don't care if you're going to college. I don't care if you've got the best job in the world. Listen to me. When you lose your life, it's when you'll find it. See, that's what, that's what Ruth did. She lost her life. I leave it all behind, whoever I was. But I have to find what is important. What is it that God is trying to do for me? See, all that time, and you keep reading this whole story, Ruth was sitting there with no hope. But here came Naomi, maybe out of the will of God, maybe her and her husband shouldn't have never been there. But God turned it. God turned it to the good, and he brought back Ruth. With Naomi. What a blessing. If you read these four chapters. What a blessing it is. Verse 19 of Ruth 1. So, went they, so they too went, unto, went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem. That all the city was moved about them. And they said is this Naomi? And she said unto them call me not Naomi. Naomi's name means pleasant. It means my delight. 
She was a blessed lady to all the people that knew her. She was a blessed lady. But here she comes back and she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. And it says, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord had testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moab, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, his name was Boaz. I want you to hear this. Because see, God's got people everywhere. Long as he's still dealing, wherever you think you can run and hide, you can't run and hide. God will show up. God's got people that's faithful. And sometimes God sends those people around. And sometimes it's even in a little child. He'll say things to you, and you'll all of a sudden feel the conviction. God is revealing something to you. It said, and Ruth the Moabite has said to Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go my daughter. Ruth knew Naomi was too old to go out and work in the fields and to glean for it. So she said, I'll take it on for my mother-in-law and I'll go out and I'll glean the fields and I'll find us some food, something to eat. You know what? They didn't have welfare back then. The rich had their fields and they set it up where they watched over the fields, they got the main crops out and they left the outskirts of it for the widows and those that couldn't work for themselves. And they would come out and they would glean through and get enough to eat. That was the way they helped each other. They didn't have a welfare system that you signed up for and it's some person that takes the money and takes the money from others because they want them to vote a certain way. Excuse me. I can't, I can't help but say it, but it's true. But they'll fill that bucket of gold up for their own self, not because they care about the poor. We need to be caring about our own people. We, God's people, need to be praying and when we see needs, we need to meet the needs the best that we know how. And I'm not telling you what to do. A lot of people, they love the fact that the government takes care of everybody. I don't like that at all because I don't trust them. Anyway, it goes on to say, she went to those fields, and in verse 3, and she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers and her hap was to light on the part 
of the field belonging to Boaz, who was a kindred of Elimelech. She just so happened to land there. She went out into the fields of the rich, and she just said, it says, her hap was. That's just our way of saying, and she just happenstance to land right there on Boaz's land. And she was gleaning the fields for the little bit of food she could get. And it says, verse 4, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, Then said Boaz unto his servants that, that were set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? Who is this young lady reaping in my field? Don't you think that's a beautiful story? See, we look at it as some kind of romantic thing for for Valentine's Day, but the real truth is it was God's plan. God was doing a restoring of life. He wasn't just giving them a thrill. He wasn't giving them that little good feeling that six months after you married, you wonder why you married that person. No, this was life to them. This was the blessing of life. Listen to what I'm telling you. God is working on you. And he's working through you. Whose damsel is this? Look down at verse 10 of Ruth 2. Then she fell on her face after Boaz recognized her and told her, told her, you know, he, he basically told him, take care of her. Make sure she's got plenty. Then he said, she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Boaz, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger? And Boaz answered her, said unto her, it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of her husband, of thine husband, and how thou has left thy father and mother and the land of nativity and art come to a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work and full reward given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Isn't that beautiful? You know what? Boaz was not some hillbilly out there and head of a lot of fields. He was a smart man. And I think that smart man already knew all about Naomi. And I think he knew the stories were already out of how this Ruth was a Moabite, but she didn't leave Naomi. She stayed with her to help take care of her, to be her daughter-in-law for life, to die with her. She cared. Ruth's name means friend. Friendly. Ruth was friendly. She was a good person. And I think even Israel was benefited. Her name is in the, in the begots. She is carried in even in the book of Matthew, Jesus, where it talks about the, the bloodline. What was God doing? God was showing I can use all that have come to me, no matter where you came from. 
he was showing that even back then. Down at verse 19. And her mother-in-law said unto her when she came back, Ruth brought back all that she received that day. It says, and her mother-in-law said unto her, where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, the man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. Let me tell you something. Naomi that came back empty, all of a sudden, the sparks began to fly again. All of a sudden, something thrilled her. I can see Naomi and know she's so disappointed. Her family's gone, and yet this Moabite girl goes out and finds the kinsman redeemer, and she finds him, and she gets favor in his face. Don't you know that's God? And God sent her back with plenty. And as soon as Naomi saw it, he knew, she knew that this was a blessed day. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, The man is a near kinsman to us, one of our next kinsmen. I'm going to quit there. Come on back up, man. I'm going to stop there for a reason. I'd love to finish the whole thing, but I'm not going to. The story is, if you've gone away from God, come back home. That's why he's got you here today. Come back home. You'll never find your life until you lose this life. You'll never find life in him. He is your life. All this world's going to give you is another day of heartaches. Every time you turn around and you go back out, every time you, you know, we, we come and we come to church and sometimes I'll look around and somebody ain't here for weeks at a time. And I wonder what happened. They were so excited about living right. They were so excited that God had forgave them. And all of a sudden, they've drifted out again. Worlds calling their name. Enemies out to deceive them and pull them back into the world. But God is restoring. God is trying to redeem and to set us back in the right way. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You ain't going to overcome the world on your own. You can't. I heard, a, uh, I think it was Charles Stanley or somebody this morning. You can work and work and work and you'll never do enough to earn your way to heaven. You ain't going to do it. I just told somebody yesterday, met out here for a wedding coming up. You, you work your whole life. I can preach all these messages, 
doesn't make me a door open to go to heaven. I got to know who Jesus is. I got to surrender my life and come to him. That's every one of us. The only way you're going to find your life is to lose it. only way you're going to overcome the world because the world will get its hand in you. They keep going. And how many times we talked about the, you see all these famous people grew up in church, some of them, but they come to forks in the road where they take the way they decide, the way the world is, what gives them glory and fame, and they refuse what God has given them. They refuse to walk the way of God. You say, well, they never would have wrote that song. They never would have sung that. You'd have never heard some of those beautiful songs. You know what? They mean nothing if you don't find God. We're going to leave this life. They're going to sing a better song in heaven than they are down here. Praise God. Who is he that overcomes the world? but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This world system, 1 John, I think it's 2.15, says, Love not the world, nor the things of the world. They're empty. You're going to find yourself down the road knowing that you left the very thing that you never stayed around to see what God had planned. I don't say that to judge Orpah, but Orpah went back. She, she took the easy road. I'll just go back home to my parents. Her name means Nick. They claim she was a beautiful, had a beautiful appearance and a skinny neck. It says, Orpah. Boaz means strength. God will establish you on the road that He's planned for you all the way from the beginning of time. When you were just being formed in your mother's womb, God has plans for you. Don't turn to the world. Don't turn to Moab and think, I'll just go over here to Moab and make my living. Because God's having a hard time blessing his people when they're out of his will and in the wrong place. Church, listen to me. I got children and grandchildren that are not here. And I know the enemy's bitten for them. But can I tell you? I'm praying that they find their way. I'm praying that they'll find the life that they left a long time ago. And I can remember when they stood in here and praised God. You think they don't know? They know the enemy's blinding them. The enemy's putting the wool over their eye. They need Jesus. That's all they need. It ain't going to work. My wife has said it to him a hundred times. It ain't never going to work until you live for Jesus. 
Nothing you plan, nothing you do will satisfy you till you know in your heart I've given all up to serve Jesus. Hear what I'm telling you. That's what God's drawing His church to. He's trying to bring us those that have walked out of the church and it's all over. Probably everybody here has got somebody you know that's walked out. I ain't talking about just this church. I'm talking about walked out on God. They quit serving God. Listen to me, I don't care how hard it gets. It's a whole lot worse if you don't have God. You're going to face troubles and it's going to be a lot worse if you don't know God. I come here, and when I'm discouraged, I can tell you why Naomi wanted to go home, Bill. She wanted to go back where people were blessed. You come into this house, you might feel a little guilty when you first come in, but can I tell you something? God's people will open their arms, and Jesus will open his arms to you. Why? Because God is bringing those home that we love. Those are prayers being answered. Find your way to him today. Without him, our hope of tomorrow isn't there. While they sing, everybody stand if you will. If you need to pray, you come.
So I can be yours Till I want no one More than you, Lord Cause in the darkness I know you will hold me Make me lonely Hey! 
to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before For all your sin, all your sorrow and your sadness There's a Savior and he calls, bring it all to the table